Okay, <clears throat> hi, this is Elliot Fisherman, and welcome to our um, um, February quiz. I have 10 cases that I want to share with you. So without further ado, I want to get started. It's always interesting with these phone things. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, Lily will tell me if I'm actually on, but I think I am on. I'm using my new computer, or my desktop computer, not my new computer. Anyway, um, here we go. Ten cases. Ready? Abdominal distension. What you see here is the stomach is distended. Look at the antrum. You see the transition point is at the gastric antrum. This thickening here. And here it is in cross-section, right? There's the irregular thickening. Now, sometimes the antrum can fool you. It could look a little bit fuller. But uh, it, looks, um, it looks good. Uh, and uh, you can see it very nicely there. And, well, what is that? Infiltrating tumor, adenocarcinomas, most likely. It's not going to be lymphoma. It's not going to be uh, metastatic disease in all likelihood. It's not a gist tumor. This was gastric outlet obstruction in a patient with adenocarcinoma. Very nice example. What about this case? Abdominal pain. There's a mass in the mesentery, and you can see the vessels are encased. When you look at it in the coronal view, you really can see the infiltration, the encasement of the vessels, and you look at it in the MIP as well. It's really impressive. So what are we thinking about? We're thinking about something that infiltrates and encases the vessels. It could be a carcinoid tumor with desmoplastic reaction. It could be sclerosing mesenteritis. Both of those have calcification, in this case does as well. Lymphoma usually is more discreet and infiltrates rather than uh, causing the irregularity in the vessels. And lymphoma typically doesn't give that desmoplastic reaction. Here the vessels or the veins are being stretched. Now I have to admit, when I see a lot of desmoplastic reaction, when the vessels look big like that, I tend to favor carcinoid tumor. But in this case, the path was grossing mesenteritis. They can look very similar. I think it's a very difficult diagnosis. If you see a mass in the small bowel, obviously that's easy, right? But we don't always see the small bowel tumor component in patients with carcinoid tumors. And 70% of carcinoid tumors calcify, but 70% of sclerosing mesenteritis also calcifies. What about this case? A vascular lesion in the liver and then a vascular mass in the right lower quadrant. Quickly, the fast thing to think of is a carcinoid tumor with METs to the liver. And that's a possibility, but this is not in the bowel. It's outside the bowel, kind of sitting on the psoas muscle directly. So what are you thinking about? Now, we talk about Castleman's disease being vascular, but that would not, Castleman's is benign, so it would not explain the liver, and the liver is worrisome. Um, metastasis from, you know, renal cell to mesentery to liver. Clear cells a possibility, but uh, the kidneys are okay. So you could think about a carcinoid. That's not an unreasonable thought with the liver. But again, it seems to be outside the bowel. Now, carcinoids do go to the omentum and the mesentery, and sometimes you don't see the mass in the bowel itself. But another thing to think about, particularly with those little squiggly vessels, is going to be a paraganglioma. Paragangliomas, which are extradrenal theos, can occur in the periodic region, organ of zircocondyl, in the mediastinum, in the neck. 
Usually they occur more central when they're in the periodic region. This is a bit far out by the psoas muscle, but they can. And this was a great case of a um, paraganglioma. Left upper quadrant pain. You see a big spleen, there's lots of possibilities, but then I'm showing you irregular bones. There's something sclerotic about the bones. And then I'm showing you the bones are also infiltrated and there's something going on in the presacral space which is better seen here. Now you could say, well, maybe this is tumor um, with a big spleen, but then how do you explain the bones? Well, maybe you say it's myelofibrosis with bone involvement, but usually it's more diffusely sclerotic, not disappearance like a bone in bone. And myelofibrosis can give you a big spleen and can give you the soft tissue mass in the presacral space. Now, of course, what is that presacral mass? If it was the only thing I saw, I could even say chordoma, but that presacral thing in the presence of bony changes, in the presence of splenomegaly, and the way it's lobulated, that's a really nice example of extramedullary hematopoiesis. So now you say, I got bone changes, I got a big spleen, I got extramedullary hematopoiesis, what am I thinking of? And I'm thinking of thalassemia with extramedullary hematopoiesis. Really a very, very nice case. You could have thought of CLL or one of the leukemias with infiltration, but the bony changes with the extramedullary hematopoiesis, putting it all together, your best shot is gonna be thalassemia. And again, common in Mediterranean countries, extramedullary hematopoiesis can arise from stem cells throughout the body. The presacral zone is a very common area, but not the only area. Extramedullary hematopoiesis is one of my favorite things to quiz people on because once you've seen it, you recognize it, but if you've not seen it, you don't recognize it. And here's an example of huge posterior metastinal masses. And this was extramedullary hematopoiesis. And here's posterior metastinal masses, that presacral component and the pleural components. And this is beta thalassemia with extramedullary hematopoiesis. And that's it for this case. What a great case. Okay, another patient. The question here was, what is this mass, sorry about that, by the tail of the pancreas? Is this a neuroendocrine tumor? Well, you see a very vascular mass by the tail of the pancreas, but what you notice is that moray pattern is the same as the spleen. You can see it again here, it's the same as the spleen. When you see a mass by the tail of the pancreas and it matches the spleen on arterial phase and on venous phase, you gotta think, no, I'm not dealing with the neuroendocrine tumor, but I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with an accessory spleen. A really nice example. We have an article this month in AJR talking about cinematic rendering as a way of distinguishing between accessory spleens and neuroendocrine tumors. But again, this is a classic, classic example. And this was an accessory spleen, no need for surgery. Another patient with back pain. At first glance, you say, hey, you're gonna trick me and show me extramedullary hematopoiesis? Well, that could be. But then there's a big infiltrating tumor. It's almost too big for extramedullary hematopoiesis, though maybe that's the wrong thing to say. It can be very large. It infiltrates the sacrum, which is a little bit more aggressive than the extramedullary hematopoiesis. There it is again on the cinematic. Just a beautiful case of a chordoma. 
Chordomas occur at the C-spine, but more commonly in the sacrum. And this is just a beautiful example of a chordoma. What about this case now, pancreas? Mass in the junction of body and tail of pancreas, dilated pancreatic duct. So the first thing you wanna jump on is pancreatic adenocarcinoma. But I'm gonna to say to you, that's not the answer. If you look more carefully at this lesion, particularly on the coronal views, yes, there's duct dilatation. Yes, that's atrophy at the tail. And yes, that worries me. But this lesion has cystic components and this was a solid serous cystadenoma. It's a great mimicker. People say serous cystadenomas can't have dilated ducts. Well, I'm showing you they're wrong. And again, you have to be very careful. Sometimes the cystic components are best seen on the venous phase imaging. Now, what about this case, abdominal fullness? Well, here's a large mass, it's cystic. It has calcification, they're coarse. I showed you a serous cystadenoma solid that was atypical. This is really the classic serous cystadenoma. Big cystic pancreatic mass, septations and calcifications. Classic serous cystadenoma. Just a very, very, very nice example. What about this case, abdominal fullness? Am I giving you another serous cystadenoma? Coarse calcification, the vessels are displaced, and it's very vascular. We look at it some more it's beyond just that head region. It's really lobulated. So serous cystadenoma, I guess, you know, with the calcifications, you could think of it. This was more vascular, but again, there's lots of overlap. There's some cystic component, but not much. There's the calcifications on the MIP imaging. And this was a neuroendocrine tumor. So I do want to say that things are never as simple as you think they are. Neuroendocrine tumors and solid serous adenomas can look very similar. What about this case? And this may be the last one. Cystic lesion head of pancreas, which has calcification. The patient was a 30-ish female. What could this be? Yes, you can think of serous adenoma. Neuroendocrine less likely is not very vascular, but there are calcifications. It's not adenocarcinoma with the calcifications and there's no dilated pancreatic duct or common duct. Could it be an MCN, usually more cystic, not a great location. There's the MIP. It really shows the coarse calcification well. So now you're saying you have a mass in the pancreas, it's low density, coarse calcification. It's a female in 30s. This was a solid papillary epithelial neoplasm or SPEN. SPENs have variable appearances, so it's really a challenging case. So with that, I've given you 10 challenging cases. I hope you got them right. And I hope you have a great day and a great weekend. See you later.